Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry skies, see your hand in time, in mind to lead me through the night. I am a church planter. That's what I am. That's what we are, my wife and I. And um, I believe I'll always be that. And uh, the desire that I have to see um, our city blessed is, um, is seen through what I would call the daily investments of building a culture that is receptive to that type of vision. So I just have that desire. We started our first church 15 years ago. Uh, well, 15, well, 14 and three quarters, nearly 15 years ago. And uh, it was in the midst of a very unique time of, of our life, our marriage. Two sons at the time, uh, been through three church splits, and that's always fun. Um, at that point in time, had seen what I would consider the nastiest part of relationships and and the strong will of humanity. And, and so, you know, in the third one, you start thinking that there might be a common denominator and um, because there are three different churches. And, um, and so I, I, I saw what, what I felt like the church was not supposed to be. And when we moved from Ohio back down into the Tulsa area, I, I felt the call of God to, to pastor. I knew that's what our, the plan of action for our life was. And so I began to do the only thing that I knew to do, and that was to uh, begin a season of prayer and fasting. That's what I did. And we joined together. We evangelized, which was a very, very difficult thing for me because I am not an evangelist. I am not an evangelist. I am very relational. I love relationships. I like to sit down. I want to hear about your life, who you are, where you're from. And, um, and so evangelism was just, I knew it was a, a season, and, and I thank God for it. I was very blessed, and churches were very kind to our family through this transition. When I began to feel the call of God in life for that city, I never imagined that we would plant a church. We would start a church. I did not imagine that. But that's the road that the Lord took us on. And so through prayer and fasting, I got a uh, just kind of an everyday job just to help support my family while we were trying to evangelize. And I would go early into the downtown area of Tulsa, and I would drive into a church parking lot, and I would back up in that church parking lot, and I would pray over our city and ask God to open the doors begin to lay the city in my spirit in a very unique way, and that was to start, that was to build. never saw myself as a church planter. Now, mind you, at this time, we had transitioned from Ohio down to Tulsa, and as we were there, it was the brokest time of my life. I was 28 years old, and um, I had just given myself to ministry, literally given myself to ministry. And so... I took whatever job I could in order to be as flexible as I could for the church. And it was a very, very difficult time. We were living in a travel trailer and um, on the backside of my in-law's property. 
And God put this church in my spirit. And I didn't have two pennies to rub together. In fact, I felt less prepared to do anything ministerially at that point in time than I'd ever felt in my entire life. How could I, how could I literally start this church from nothing, with nothing? I have, we had zero. And I had a conversation. It was um, probably sometime in the month of May, early, yeah, early May. And I was walking my parent, my in-law's property, that's seven acres there, and I was walking the property, and I asked the Lord, I said, I, I don't ever want to have to worry. I'll, we always have to manage, but I don't want to have to worry about finances when we start this church. How in the world can we do it? How can we do it? And I got one word. Under the starry skies of Oklahoma, the very beginning of the hot season, I was walking by myself in the dark, and I said, share with me the secrets, the wisdom on how never to have to be concerned about finances. And the Lord told me one word, and he told me to give. And it was from there Praise God for the organization, and I believe in this organization. I'm an organizational man. But it was from there that we launched out with that one word to give. We launched out. We had a 600 square foot. I would assume probably the size of the platform here. In the heart of the retail district of Tulsa, never had a church there in its history. And I looked in this for rent sign. I'm going to get somewhere. I'm just telling a little bit of a backstory here. And I looked in, there was a little rent sign there, and I looked in this abandoned coffee shop. And I told my wife, I said, come here. She was like, no, come here. She's like, no, get over here. And so she walks out, true story. And she walks out and she, she's like, what are we doing? I said, look. 600 square foot, 25 square foot bathroom. I said, look, baby, that's the church today. She said, where? <laughs> I said, I, I was undeterred. I said, can you see it? She said, see what? I said, can you see the church? She said, babe, it's tiny. I said, I know, but, but this is where we're going to start. This right here is where we are going to start. And I called the lady. She said, I what if you could put down x amount of money uh first and last and sign a year contract we'll do it i'm telling this is gutted there was no lines there was no lights there was no carpet it was it was it was a it was a coffee shop it was tile floor i knew one word out of my wife's mouth oh, no. who was able to exhort if you can hear it today she's able to i knew that it would reverberate but it was it. It was our spot. And, and she said, just come up with the money. But I didn't have two, two cents. So we started doing the only thing we knew how to do. We started praying. We started asking God. District board said, absolutely, go on. I, I pushed for, uh, 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 it was home missions at the time. I was trying to get some home missions funding. It, it, we were too late in the game to do it that year. So we, we knew we were on our own. It was just us and the Lord. That's all we had. We had another couple. They, they had a little job. We were trying to put money in there. We had enough 
money to basically buy, buy paint supplies when we got the building. But the Lord started doing something at that point in time. It was a very unique, uh, I heard Brother Becton, it was Brother Becton, right? Up on the video. Lumpkin, Brother Lumpkin, talking about the uniqueness years that he had spent there in New Jersey. And, 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 and I can't begin to describe to you what total faith looks like. I'm talking total faith when you have nothing to offer a city with mega churches. The average size of the church in that city. There are churches with 25, 30,000 people in that city. It's not a, a, a big thing to find a church with five, 10,000 people. We have one church that just started a few years ago and, and, and it went viral. And that church has grown to twelve or 13,000 in the matter of just a couple of years. It's just unbelievable. They have $20 million worth of assets. How in the world? How in the world? And it just happens. That's the way it happens there. And so for us to look at a storefront that was 600 square feet and say, this is the will of God, knowing that we didn't have a dime in our account to be able to do this. We were so ill-prepared, but we felt the call of God to go into that city and such an urgency to do so. We got into the facility. God gave us that finances, and I can't begin, nor would I Spend the time to tell you miracle after miracle just to be able to start the church. The lady finally got so frustrated. The owner finally got so frustrated. Are you guys not having services? No, we're saving up. What are you saving for? Well, we got to buy some lights and, and we got to buy some carpet. And she said, I tell you what. She said, I'm tired of driving by and not, not seeing anything. She said, here. And she wrote me a check. It was more than the amount that I put down. She said, go get yourself some carpet. Go get yourself some lights. So we, we went on her dime, vested in carpet and lights. I'm telling you, it, the, the miracles that God did, when we started investing in, in little amounts, giving sacrificially to the Lord into the kingdom of God, we started seeing something start to take place. I didn't have any money, but I never worried about it. I never had, we didn't have any money, but I was never concerned about it. We didn't have any money, but I just saw the way that God began to write the story. It, it, we, I'm working, and I'm working 50 hours a week just to try to take care of my family, and, and we go to a, a music store, and I said, baby, pick out any piano in here. And she's walking through, and she said, I want this piano right here. And I said, this is the one you want. She said, yeah, this is the one I want. I said, well, with my Christmas bonus this year, I'm going to buy you this piano, and you're going to we playing on a $50 Casio. That's all we had. And I said, with my Christmas bonus, I'm going to buy you this piano. And she's, I said, this one. She said, yeah, I love the wood grain. I want that one right there. I said, perfect. That's what we're going to buy you. Well, we had a, a, a gentleman start coming to our church. And he said, what kind of piano is that? I said, oh, bro. That's like somebody's child's piano that you begin to learn on. There's like 12 keys on that piano. But we're making it work. He said, okay. Well, he calls me. He said, hey, my sister has a piano that she wants to donate to the church. I said, well, bro, we don't want to do that, man. We'll try to come together and, and at Christmas time. He's like, no. She said she wants to donate that to the church. And I said, bro, are you sure? He's like, yeah. He's like, tell you what, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it on, on it was Wednesday night or whatever. I'm bringing it, I'll bring it Wednesday night. I said, okay. I said, will you please convey to her our, our appreciation and we will use this piano and, and it will be a, a vital part of our church. And, and he said, absolutely, conveyed it to her. And he's, he's walking in and I'm, I'm, I'm preparing. We got the pulpit and, and, and literally we had one step 
like our, our platform was like a, like a four by four. It was about as big as this. This was our platform right here. That's all the room we had. We were, it just, we didn't have any room. We had kids cry. It was just, oh my God. Like I love starting a church. I just don't want to go back to that point in time. Like don't take those memories from me, but don't make me go back through. But I'm standing there and I'm, I'm straightening the pulpit and I hear my wife cry out. And I look up in concern, and it's the gentleman bringing the piano in. And when he brings in the piano, he brings it and sets it down upon stand. And would you imagine, could you imagine, when we were in that music store, I said, Sir, will, will you please give me a, the, 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 the information on this piano? He said, sure, I'll print it out for you. I said, I want a picture of it as well. And she took that picture and she put it in her Bible. And when he walked in, he walked in with the exact piano, placed it down up, upon the stand, and we still use it in our music room today. Listen, it goes on and on and on. I have it for days. I can keep you here till next Saturday, I promise you. This is the way that the Lord works. This is the way that he works. If we start the process of the investment into his kingdom and have the expectation, I don't, I, I, I don't have to try to anymore. I, I don't have to try to be as wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove dealing with finances at our church because our people, they understand. They've seen it. They've been a part of it. From the very beginning, they, they were there when my wife called a minister in the district to ask if she could use a, a, a young lady from his church for, for our, our district event because she was doing the music. And he said, yeah, absolutely. Hold on a second. And he just puts her on hold and, and comes back on and says, you know what? The Holy Ghost just talked to me just now and said, you guys need $1,000. Well, we had just priced out blinds for this 600 square foot, and it was $1,000. He said, I'm having my secretary send you a check right now. And yes, you can use her. I'll talk to you later. Bye. That's what happened. Those are the kinds of things that we saw take place. From, 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 from the very beginning, it was just one miracle after another. We just totally relied on the Lord, and that's the way that he began to move. When we got into our second building, the, the, the Holy Ghost said, I need you to challenge the church. I need you to challenge them. And, 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 and he began to give me a game plan on how to challenge the church. And so in our second building... We moved from that 600 to 1,800 square feet. We thought we were big time, 1,800 square feet. I had an office. It was the size of a small closet, but it was somewhere for me to go. And, and, and at that church, at that church, the Lord said, I'm, I want you to challenge the church. And it was right there that we went from, from my wife and I being, being the main contributors to this, to creating a culture of this in our church. It was at that point in time, Brother Miller, that everything shifted at the church today, which is the, the name of the church that we pastor. Right then, I came to the pulpit on a Sunday morning, and I, we, we have annual um, fundraisers that our organization does. And I said, I want to use this fundraiser as an opportunity to stretch the faith of this church. And I will make you a I will make you a promise that not a single dime will ever stay in this congregation. 
What is given here will go out to its exact amount. We will never keep a dime of this. And here's what we did. We started what was called a share your story campaign. We were just about two years old, probably had 30 or 40 people at the time, bunch of new folks, bunch of kids, probably families that would have stepped out in that type of faith, maybe seven or eight, maybe 10 families, and the rest were uh, young kids or brand new and, and just still kind of looking at me the way that you're looking at me today, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about all that. But I, here's what I said. I said, I do not want the glory to be given to the church. I want the glory to be given to God. Simple, just like that. I want the glory to be given to God. And we started a campaign that lasted through the summer, and we gave our offering. In the first year, we, we had pledged $3,900, and we ended up giving $4,000 to the, to the cause of of, it was SFC at the time, now it's Move the Mission. So we gave $4,000 to Move the Mission. And here's what I said. I said, will you please, if the Lord does something that you know, I can't tell you, you know, is from Him. Yeah, I dare even say miraculous. I want you to share your story. Little did I realize what that would do to our church. Little did I realize that what that would put into the heart of our church. It wasn't a week or two later, an 18-year-old just, just graduated came to me and said, Pastor, I have a story. I said, let me hear it. Chris is, is now a part. He's our band leader now. Got the Holy Ghost in our church. He's our band leader, junior youth pastor, him and his wife. Fantastic couple. Just an amazing couple. One of the most talented musicians um, that I've ever seen. And um, he came and said, I got a story. His first job, the Lord said, I want you, we prayed and said, the Lord said, this is what he said. The Lord told me he wanted me to give my entire first check to move the mission. She's for Christ. And I said, okay. He said, well, I did. He said, I gave it. I didn't tell anybody. Parents, he's 18 years old, still living at home. I, I just gave it. And my, at my job, my boss came to me two weeks later. And he said, Chris, I don't know why I'm doing this. I have no idea. I said, well, Chris, what do you do? He's like, I'm, I'm the custodian. I just clean the shop. And his boss came to him and said, Chris, I don't know why I'm doing this. But I reached into the petty cash. Don't tell nobody. But I feel like I need to give you this. And he gave him an envelope. He said, now, don't say anything to anybody. Things will get all stirred up. But this is for you. And so he took it and he opened it up. And it was the exact amount they had given to move the mission. 18 years old, the exact amount he had given to move the mission. Okay. He came to me and said, Pastor, that was the amount that I was going to spend on a new guitar. He'd been playing on some, Brad, not a, not a very good guitar, okay? Just, you know, probably missing a string or something, whatever. And he said, I was going to spend that on a new guitar for the church, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to give it to Jesus for Christ, move the mission. And I gave it. And the Lord gave it right back to him. And he's celebrating this story with the church. 
What we did is we took offering time. And when we had offering, I didn't get up there and tell them how I was at Walmart and had a revelation about how giving changes the world. I would say, hey, come up here and share your story if you feel comfortable. If you don't and you're comfortable with me sharing, I would share the story. And I would do the story or I would have them come up and share the story. And he shared his story and goes in on Monday. And on Monday, he's cleaning again. His boss walks up to him and says, Chris. He's like, yes, sir. He said, I don't know why I'm doing this. He said, I don't know why I'm doing this. He said, but I, I, I want to give you X amount of dollars in a raise. He said, Pastor, it's 700% higher. 700% higher than what I was making. I said, what? He said, that's, that's the percentage of a raise that I got on Monday. And I said, Chris, would you be opposed to sharing your story? He said, no, I want to share it. So he gets up and he shares it to the congregation. Well, that year we had, we had four or five people share their stories and things that God had done for them. Now, does it happen every time? No. Does God do uh, the miraculous like that every time? No. There's a challenge that goes out. There's a faith factor that, that comes into play. God doesn't do that kind of thing every time. But what I'm saying is, is he's wanting to stretch us and reveal to us and show us the type of God that he can and desires to be for us. It doesn't stop there. That's the second year. I can go into the third year and tell you about the time where I'm talking about where Brother Miller was. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost speaks to me and, say, and says, prophesy, Baron, that I'm going to give you a church van. So I walk up in the middle of the song service and I just, this is all I said, is church, the Lord just spoke to me and told me that he is going to give us a church van. van. And, and, and this is what I said. And he's going to do it in a month. And I walk down there and we have the rest of the song service. And then I realize the Lord didn't tell me he's going to do it in a month. He just said prophesy. Week one, week two, week three, nothing, nothing, nothing. And on week four, we have a visitor that comes in. She's not a part of our congregation. She just comes in. And when she comes in, she's a part of our service. She's loving the service. And all of a sudden, she leaves. I shake her hand, welcome her. You know what? I'm just passing through. I'm moving to Tennessee. Just wanted to come and I heard about you. Just wanted to be a part of one of your services. I said, well, thank you so much for coming. We enjoyed you being here. Come back anytime uh, on your way through. Come back anytime. Well, she leaves. The secretary comes out and I'm greeting everybody. And she says, Pastor Longstreth. I said, hold on a second. She said, no, you need to come here. I said, hold on a second. And I'm greeting. She said, Pastor Longstreth, you need to come here. I said, hold on a second. I'm she said, come here. I said, hold on. So finally she said, Pastor Longstreth, you need to come. So I walk in around the corner and she said, Pastor Longstreth, you need to see this. And she hands me something. I look at it and it was a check. And the check was for $25,000. And I lifted it up in the air and I said, Robin, we just got our church van. I was on week number four. I said, Robin, we just got our church van. Well, that was the first year that we had given to She's for Christ surpassing $10,000. That was the first year we had invested that much money into one solitary outgo. That was our first year. Our congregation really dug deep and they sacrificially gave. And I'm waving this check in the air and I'm like, and we just got our church van. And I put it back in the offering. And I turned to leave. She goes, oh, pastor, you need to see this. And I turned back around. And I said, Robin, what? She said, you need to see this. And I looked at it. It was another check for $25,000. I said, oh, I understand what he's doing now. And I put it down. 
And she said, Pastor, there was another $5,000 in the offering today. 55 said, go to the bank tomorrow. Go to the bank tomorrow and you deposit that. It's 55000 in a solitary service. I'm telling you, I've seen hundreds of, of, of miracles of the Lord. I, I was down in your basement. I began to just start prophesying over this church, over this area. I just started prophesying over the release of the finances for this church is a generous church. I said, God, you know what is necessary for this church to go from this level to the next level. I said, you see the vision of the man of God, his family, and the leadership of this church, not just being a local church, not just being a regional church, but this church being a global church. Amen. Time and time again, I have been the recipient. A man in my church that came up to me and said, Pastor, I want to move closer. I want to be more involved in the church. I said, okay. He said, I feel like the Lord is telling me to sell my house. I said, fantastic. And he said, but I feel like the Lord said, don't put it on the market. I said, okay, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to walk the property. I'm just going to pray. Now, mind you that this man right here is one of the most generous givers across the board. Just such a generous giver. Doesn't make a ton of money. He's just a generous giver. It's not how much, by the way. There's a generosity that happens uh, through the willingness of an individual to make an investment sacrificially in the, or underneath the obedience of the Lord. This man came to me and said, well, here's what the Lord wants to do. Here's what the Lord wants to do. And I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm just going to walk and pray. I'm just going to walk and pray. I'm just going to walk and pray. And so he begins to walk his property. For a solitary year, he walks his property. For one year. I said, how's it going? He said, I'm just walking my property. He walked his property so much. That he wore a path around those two acres, Brother Miller. He wore a path. You could see the literal path. Looked like a cattle trail around his property. But every day you'd find him out there. Every day he was home, you'd find him out there. Every day in the morning, you'd find him out there. Every day in the evening, you would find him out there. And he would just pray, take his cup of coffee and walk his property. Thank God, thank God. And he's in there drinking his coffee one day, him and his wife. And all of a sudden, a car drove up in the driveway. And he opens the door. He says, can I help you? And there's a lady that approaches him. And she's an apostolic lady. Doesn't know her. She said, sir, you don't know me. She said, I recently lost my husband. She said, I drive past your house every day. Comfort I find is the memory of this type of house. I grew up in a house just like this. Just like this. She tells him a story. This is the kind of house I grew up in. She said, sir, would you be opposed to selling me your house? And he said, okay. She said, is there a time that, we, that I can come and just look through the house? And he said, well, sure. They set the time up. She came back that day and brought her, her, uh, her, her mother with her. And, and they walked through the house. And she said, oh, I love this house. She said, when I was a little girl, I had a little yellow house just like this. And it's set on property almost just like this. And every time I drive past your, your house, it brings me back to the fond memories of my life. I want to buy your house from you. What are you asking for this house? And he said, well, I, you know, I, I, I guess this is the amount that I would she said, well, would you be comfortable with me just paying cash for the house? He said, well, yeah, we'll go to closing, and then that would be, I would be comfortable with that. She said, well, I, I, I tell you what, I, I, just, I don't want to move any of my furniture. Can I, can I 
offer and buy all of your furniture. And I, I just, the pictures, anything that's not valuable to you, can I go ahead and have it? I just, I just want to, I just don't want to mess around with anything. I just want to move in, right? Just like this. And he said, well, okay. And, 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 and so 30 days later, they sit at the closing table and he takes a picture of the cash that's spread on the table. Two years or a year and a half, he walks his property because the Lord said, I'm going to, I'm going to show you. I'm going to share something with you. I'm, I'm going to give you a, an understanding of how I can do the miraculous if you will trust and be sacrificial with me. I've got story after story. I'm in the Philippines. This is 10 years in, eight years in rather. And we're in, I'm in the Philippines and, and, a, and a church comes on the market. We've been looking for a church for seven years. We couldn't find it. Could not find a church. Every building that we got to was just too much. Every building that we got to was just too broken down. Every building that we got to was just snatched up. We find a church. The only issue with the church is it seems like it's out of our, our, our budget. And, and, and so I, I, I look at it. I begin to pray over it. I tell my wife. I email our board. And I said, you know, here's the possibility. Appreciate your prayers on this. Sure enough, come back from the Philippines and we visit, look through the building. When I walk in, I felt like the Lord said, I'm going to give you this building. And so we walked through the building and there was an offer that came in. It was much steeper than our offer. And, and so we made an offer on the building. We got in with, the pastor was gone. We got in with the, uh, the board of trustees at the time and and. And, and I said, can we bring our church? Absolutely. So they opened the doors up and we walked back into the church and we got a video. We're standing up about where Drew is and they're videoing us all standing on the platform singing. I think it's for you are good. You are great. You do miracles so great. We sang that in acapella, just sang it out unto the Lord, videoed that from the, from the balcony. And one of the board members was standing in the back and he just begins to weep. And he's weeping and weeping and weeping. And he said, we used to sing songs like that. We used to have a church like that. Through it all, the Lord rearranged everything. The financing of one church fell under. The financing of another was contingent on a building sale. And the other got, actually four came in. The other one got hung up in the banking system. And here's the church today with the smallest of the offers coming in at the very end. And the Lord said, this is the area. This is the place. We now own seven acres paying down on a 13,000 square foot building. Ten years later, in the midst of that, the Lord called us to start a second campus. We started a second campus. Now we're trying to start our third campus in the city of Jinx. The first man that I ever witnessed to at my job came into the church a year later. We had a big fallout. He was upset at me for some reason, and we had a big fallout. And I felt like the, I'd baptized him, walked away, and, and barely talked at work. He wouldn't talk to me, and, and finally came back around and said, I, I want to be a better man. I said, I'll see you Sunday. He said, how do I be a better man? I said, well, I tell you what you do. You go home. I said, where do I start? I told him to read the word. I said, I tell you what, start with Acts 1. Just read through. Whatever the Holy Ghost begins to speak to you. He came back the next morning. He said, I read Acts 2 five times. I said, you, 
you read what? He said, I read the chapter, Acts chapter 2, five times. I read the entire book of Acts. I said, well, then what did you, what did you glean from it? He said, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name, don't I? I said, yeah, you do. He said, baptize me. Baptize me tomorrow. I said, well, Bo, we got a wedding tomorrow night. I could do it Sunday. He said, no, I can't wait till Sunday. He said, baptize me in the morning. It was a cool September day. I said, bro, all we got is a little swimming pool out back. He said, I don't care what it is. I need to go down in Jesus' name. Baptized him in Jesus' name. It was 12 years ago. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago now. Stood on our platform, him and his wife and his younger son, and they are taking the new church campus that we are starting in the city of Jinx. I ask the Lord underneath the starry sky, how? How do I never have to be concerned about finances? I never imagined that I would sit before one of my greatest friends and him tell me that my vision wasn't big enough. I told Brother Miller the story. Don't know how appropriate it is, but perhaps it wasn't big enough but maybe it was just enough. I held two checks from a businessman, $25,000 a piece. I, I walked down years later to another man in our church who was weeping, and I said, what's going on? He said, oh, my business is frozen up. He was like, the, 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 the city won't release the funding. I said, what do you need me to do? He said, I need you to help me release the funding because that's gonna pay my employees. I said, I'll pray with you. He said, I don't want my business to go under. It's a very tough time. He said, I don't want my business to go under. I said, I'll pray with you. I said, now we're going to believe, aren't we? I said, you're a giver. He said, I am a giver. I said, you're a tither. He said, I am a tither. I said, I believe in the principles of the word of the Lord. He said, I believe in the principles of the word of the Lord. I said, I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast with you. We prayed and fasted the next week. He called me. He said, can we meet in the office? Him and his wife. He said, bring your wife. I, I walked in. He said, Pastor, all I needed was the, the, them to release the funding so I could pay for, for my employees. I said, yeah. He said, well, they released the funding. I was only thinking that they were going to do like uh, uh, up, up to one point. Too, but they ended up doing all the way through uh, the funding. And, and now, he said, the, the overage of the funding, he said, I made a pledge to God that if God would, would deliver, if he would give, so that I could take care of my employees, that I would give all the remainder part to the church. I said, okay. He said, so here is the remainder part. And I looked down at a $66,683.38 check. And I said, what do you want me to do with it? He said, it's yours. It's not mine. I tell you stories and I can just keep going. But here's the principle of it. Every year, this church sacrifices. We gave 4,000. The next year, we gave 8,000. The next year, we gave 13,000. The next year, we gave 23,000. The next year, we gave 28,000. The next year, we gave 40,000 or 36,000. Then 43,000. Then 50,000. It's not the amount. That's not what it is. The principle of the fact is is that he put some things in his word that he himself cannot, cannot back away from. Can't violate these principles in his own word. His words are forever settled in the heavens. It's not just about how much we give, 
That's not the principle. It's not if we obtain, then he gives. No, the principle is, is that if you will give, I will give. If you will sacrificially walk where I am telling you to walk, then I will press it down. I will shake it together and it will run over. It was on my face praying. I had to talk to uh, the, the youth presidents at, at midwinter a few years back. And I was saying, God, these are men that are accustomed to sharing principles of giving. And I was just asking the Lord, it's 4.30, woke me up in the morning. What do you want me to say to these men, these excellent leaders in this organization? What do you want me to say to them? And he said, Baron, where did giving come from? I said, well, it came from you. He said, find it, find it, find the origin of giving. There were principles in the very first chapter of Genesis we find, but the very first time the word give or gave or given is ever mentioned is in the elements of creation. Genesis, the first chapter, the 15th verse, talks about how gave light. And so when I read it, I just began to tell him. I just read it out loud as if he were sitting there. And I read the scripture out loud. And I promise you the same Voice, not audible, but the same voice that had spoken to me in that seven acres in the middle of nowhere in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was the same voice that had spoken to me in a hotel room in St. Louis. And he didn't just say give. What I felt in the Holy Ghost that day was the words, giving is a part of creation. Giving can be creational. It can literally, the origin of it, goes all the way back. God can take something that is given, and he is able to take that, to bless it, to break it, and to create it. I want you to go out and I want you to find me. What is out there in that crowd? And they come back and they, here's what they say. All there is is five loaves and two fish. There's not much, even if we would have had this amount of money, there is no way any market here, even if we could pay for it, there's no way that it could be delivered. How in the world are we supposed to feed them? How can we sustain the vision of feeding what we are required of feeding? How can we sustain the vision that you have? I want you to bring me what is out there. They didn't bring him a five-course meal. They didn't, here's what they said. We've got about the equivalent of what would handle a young lad for an afternoon. And the Lord takes that simple, humble meal. And he blesses it and he begins to break. And as he breaks it, he creates it. As he breaks it, it is pressed down. As he breaks it, 
It's shaken together. As he breaks it, it is running over to the 12 baskets or to the 7 baskets. What I'm saying is, it's not, it is not how much. What it is, is what is out there that somebody would release into my kingdom. What is out there that somebody is willing to say, you, Jesus, have my treasure. You, Jesus, have my heart. You, Jesus, have me. And whatever I have belongs to you. I cannot tell you that there have been, not been days that I have struggled. I have struggled. I cannot tell you that I have lived above the... No, that's not the way it is. But I can tell you that I have stories and stories and stories. And when I... Listen, when I have moments where my faith is depleted, here's what I can do. I can go back in the time and I can say, I remember. I remember. I remember the piano. I remember when, 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 when the man walked around his property. I remember those elements of time. Why? Because in those days when the Lord said, I'm inviting you to be a part of something that is creational. I'm inviting you to be a part of something that, that will literally, it is a supernatural experience. When we started our second building, the district called me and said, Baron, would you drive up? Would you drive up? I said, oh, that's, that's, not, a good, that's not a good part of town. No, it's not a good part of town at all. But there was once a strong apostolic church there. And so I drove up, literally. The place, there was a little building. Church had folded in on itself. There's nothing there. And I drove up. The district's request, 10, 15 minutes from me. And I drove up to that building. It looked like, it looked like a haunted house. I'm not even exaggerating. The buildings on the property had handprints like little kids' handprints on a stained glass window on the inside, like they were praising the Lord, but from the outside, it looked like they were trying to get out of that building. And I, I thought, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I drove through that neighborhood with the expectation of hearing a word from the Lord. And I never heard a word from the Lord. So I drove thinking that this is not the will of the Lord, but I couldn't get something out of my spirit. And it's the same thing that David couldn't get out of his spirit. Brother Miller, when he arrived at the battlefield, he could not get out of his spirit that there was somebody down in the field yelling for a man to come meet him. And that's what I couldn't get out of my spirit. And when I drove through that, I just said, God, I can't get that there are people here saying, send me a man that would come in and fight on our behalf. So you heard, the, you heard the, the audible voice of God? No. Your district told you you had to go? No. Your church was all? No. Then what caused you to go in that area? I just couldn't help the fact that I had something that I could give them. I couldn't withhold myself from that. So we went in and we spent a ton of money remodeling that broken down building. We tore the outbuildings off the property and we started in on that. And the first man that walked down the aisle was trembling and he was about 85 pounds. And he was walking down the aisle and he lifted his hands up and I said, what are we praying for you? We called him Big John. His name was John. My Big John, what are we praying for? He said, I'm dying. I've got, a, I've got a disease. I live the lifestyle. And I'm dying from it. 
And I said, well, what do you want me to pray for? Thinking he's going to want me to pray for this, for, for healing over this disease. He said, I just want what you're talking about. I said, you want the gift of the Holy Ghost? He said, I want to know that my eternity is secure. My life has been spent, uh, but you're telling me that there's something different that can happen. He is suffering from AIDS. Uh, he is not going to be able to make it, and he died a short time later. And I said, John, would you lift your hands up towards the heaven? And he lift his feeble hands up. I said, could you, could you just look up? And could you just begin to give God glory? And he did. And I said, John, it's time to pray. And I said, why don't you ask God for forgiveness? And he started weeping. And right there on the spot, God filled big John with the Holy Ghost. Before we turned that over to another pastor, there was 40 people that had been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because of an individual and a church that is willing to say, we'll go, we'll give, we'll give, we'll give. Giving is creational. It's not just about, oh, I'll give a, a 20. We don't even do that in our church anymore when it, when it comes to sacrificial giving like this. We don't do that. We just we don't do that. We don't say, "Hey, there, here, here's this, this, this." We don't do that. We just here's what we do, because this is the way I believe. And, and Brother Miller's way way smarter. Oh my God! I just and I just look at that man, and I get smarter by looking at him. <laughs> I am more educated. But here's what I feel. I've heard all my life that you cannot outgive the Lord. You cannot give God. You cannot give God. You cannot give God. And maybe it's just a play on words, or maybe it's the truth. Maybe it's just the fact it's something we just want to debate just to have a good time. But I want to challenge that statement today. I want to challenge that statement today. This is what I tell our church. I do believe there's a realm that we can get into that does not honor God because it's, it's disobedient. And I don't understand how disobedience can honor the Lord. Well, you can't outgive God. I believe that you can when you give disobediently. And I told the church, and they had the same response as this church has right now. I am not saying that I can outgive God as if I have more or if I have the ability or if his pressing down, shaking together and running over principles. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there is a requirement that God has that when I step beyond that requirement, am I operating in, in submission to the Holy Ghost? to his word from my life and my family, or am I operating according to my own will and my own flesh? I don't want to get there. So what are you saying? I'm saying that I don't pressure people to give. There's no pressure at our church. You never find a pressure situation. I'm never going to call them and say, hey, we almost hit this marker. We don't do that. We're not going to do that. Because giving is, 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 is so critical. Giving is so important. Giving of time, giving of talent, giving of treasure, giving of truth is so vital to our church. I'm never going to pressure them into 
not intentionally. Giving is so vital. In Luke, we find to give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, that's use, it shall be measured to you. So how you measure, it will be measured. It's not the amount. It's the measurement. The challenge is not the amount. The challenge is, it's a measure. What's the measuring? What's the plumb line for my giving? And when I give, whether it's my daily self, whether it's myself to somebody in my congregation, whether it's myself to a community, I do not want to outpace or outgive God. I want to measure that through obedience. Now, we've talked about giving too much. Now, the flip side of that is the disobedience of me not stepping out by faith. The challenge of our congregation is in the church today where I pastor, the challenge is, is, is for me to be able to say, God, I hear your voice. That's all I want. All I desire is to give. Whether it's me, myself, in another town. Whether it's my time and investment into a local ministry. Whether it's, it's, it's truth that I'm giving away to somebody that is beside me. Whatever way, I want the true measurement of my giving to simply be in obedience to the Lord. What shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? What do, I, what do I do to inherit that? And Jesus simply said, you just, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll, just adhere to the Ten Commandments. And he said, I've done those things since, since I was a young man. And Jesus looks at the man and he says, you know, one thing that you lack, there is one thing that you lack. I want you to give what you have. And I want you to sell what you have. And I want you to come and to follow me. The disciples are amazed when this man walks away from the word of the Lord. And they begin to question and say, well, if a rich man is not able to, how in the world can we expect? And Jesus brings the principle to play that it's easier this time for a rich man than to make it into the dependency that this young man had, the desire that he had, probable that his desire to be or his desire to have an inheritance. It's probable, but that's what he lived. That's what sustained him. That's what he loved. The Bible says he's a rich young ruler. He's young. Those days you were probably wealthy because of the passing down. And Jesus says it's so much easier for. I've looked at that story, I've read that story, I've, I've studied that story, I've preached on that story. And it wasn't until recently 
I don't know how I missed it. But it wasn't until recently that I said he wasn't asking him. He wasn't asking him to give and to follow. He was asking him to exchange and follow. That's what he's asking. He's asking for an exchange. Because he follows up and he says, and you shall have treasures that you will inherit the same way that you probably inherited. So what he's dealing with is not money. He's dealing with vision. We got a vision issue. It's not a financial issue. It's a vision issue. Can you see beyond yourself? Do you have the ability to see eternally? Pair up with me. He says it. Learn of me. Come join the journey. Follow me. Come on, Richard. I need you to adjust your vision. You want to inherit heaven. I want you to see it. You want to inherit the things of God. I want you to see it. You're looking for it in the field. I want you to see it now. Paul spoke about it when he said, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And it was Lightfoot that said it so eloquently when he said these words. We must not just seek heaven. We must think heaven. The desire here today is, can I have eternal vision? What will that cost me? He's wanting an exchange. My will for his will. My desire for his desire. He's not going to take everything. He wants to know he has it. Come on, somebody. He's not going to take everything from me. But does he have it? I want to have a heavenly vision. I want to have a heavenly view. I, I want to be able to see it to the heavenlies. I, I don't want to be restricted by things on earth. I made it. I No, I, I've got a heavenly perspective on this. What's the measurement that we would be willing to give? I wonder if you would stand with me this afternoon. Would you close your eyes with me right now? Jesus, I know in this service here today, I know your desire is for this congregation. It's not, it's not about the finances. Not to somebody that owns the cattle on a thousand hill. Not the one that speaks in, in terms of all the gold is mine and all the silver is mine. It's not about the finances. Uh, it's not that you need them because uh, you lack. Oh no. The earth is the Lord's, is what your word says, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. John even speaks that all things were made by you and not anything. You own it all. There are things that you want the church to be a part of. There are things that you want. There are 
principles in your word, keys in your word that unlock supernatural doors. I know that I can provide as a man, but there are ways in which you are wanting to open up supernaturally. There are ways that you want to produce supernaturally. And I'm asking right now for a release in this great congregation over every family. It's not just the amount, God. It's the measurement by which I give. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. You want to break Jesus' poverty mindsets and mentalities. The key to that is for me to unloose my measurement and to give accordingly with what you desire. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Ghost.